With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the McCovey Croncast. It is sometime during the week of June 26th. I don't know when this is going up, Doug. And more to the point, I don't know why I don't put the opening intro on the show anymore. Maybe because the Giants are a desiccated husk of baseball and why have an, uh, a fancy opening it should always a- open on a dour note hello welcome back Doug. <laughs> hi thanks for welcoming me back too bad the giants don't deserve a real intro but here we are <laughs> we're not doing this out of obligation we're doing this podcast as doug and i were noting for the brand for the very important mccovey chronicles brand it's not only an excellent site with content every day the, the, the brain child, no wait, this the site is the brain child, the, the master of the site, Grant Brisby. He's now a TV star. He's ascended to, he's now Ted Danson. He is. <laughs> That's right. Grant Brisby is now Ted, the Ted Danson of the Giants world. Um, I don't know who the Gutenberg is. Like, let's just skip Tom Selleck, but. <laughs> right. Uh, Tom Selleck, I mean, because the mustache, I mean, that, you don't want to go near that. It's too intimidating. Right. It's, it's too big of a step. Yeah. You, you can't live up to that. No, cannot. Uh, I guess we're fighting for the Gutenberg slot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just to add on all that. Anyway, the Giants, as we record this, are 27 and 51. 27 and 51. They're going to have 60 losses before the All-Star break. That's pretty nuts. <laughs> It is. I mean, they're, I don't know, they have what, uh, seven more, six or seven more games before the All-Star break, or do they have, is it two weeks? I believe they anyway. have two weeks remaining as we record this, yes. Okay, so in those two weeks, I think they could win, they could lose another 20 games. <laughs> uh, they are getting worse as the season goes along, which, it's not impressive, it's actually terrifying. Right. Like, they keep hearing people say, this is rock bottom. They're like, no. No, we keep buying jackhammers. Yeah. And people are like, why are you doing that? It's like, we just want to prove you wrong. Well, their first problem was they started to dig up. And, right. that, and that's what got them into more trouble. So the Giants, had, as we record this, we're recording it after the Mets swept them. Very easily, by the way. It was like the Giants were like the buzzing of flies to them. It was nothing. Uh, three, right. Five. After, after the, the, the Colorado and Atlanta series, people were like, well, they lost six of those games, but or seven of those games, seven out of eight. But at least they put up a fight in a lot of them. It was good to see. And then they come home and play the Mets, and they just did not try. No. The Giants have 12 games left before the All-Star break. So all they have to do is lose nine of those 12, which that's very easy to imagine. <laughs> it's, honestly, at this point, it's harder to imagine they'll win four. They have, to, they have six home games remaining, so half on the road and half at home. Interesting. They've, they have played better at home, so that would be one thing that might prevent this from happening. But they're playing the Rockies, who they can't beat, and they're playing the Marlins, who destroy them at home. 
pretty, pretty like it's an annual. Oh, the Marlins are in town. Someone's gonna die, and they're gonna lose games horrifically. Uh, and the Rockies to for uh, kind of the same thing too. When the Rockies come into AT and T Park, there's something catastrophic that usually happens, or the Giants will lose all three games uh, with blown saves, that kind of thing. And then they they play three in Pittsburgh and three in Detroit. Uh, you know that's that those are those are not trap games for those teams. They're they're series. Those are like oh good we get three wins. <laughs> Right. I mean, so the Giants uh, are playing 12 games before the All-Star break. And I think the biggest problem with the schedule, those 12 games are all against baseball teams. That's right. No, you're absolutely right about that. I think one of the biggest mistakes Major League Baseball did this year was assume that the Giants were a Major League Baseball team. Um, but I think a lot of us made that mistake. I was one of them. <laughs> no, so was, so was I. I, uh, I did not think that the franchise should be relegated to single A. They, they are probably an instructional league team at best at this point. At best. That's their ceiling. Um, yeah. Their, their floor is, is um, like, they're good at the NES bases loaded game. Like, that's <laughs> the approximate level of competitive talent they have. Um, every, every week, not every week, sometimes, Doug, as you know, I... I'm telling the listeners that I give you a rundown like two seconds before we go on the air, which is a great amount of time for you to prep. And uh, we're totally off the mark on what I had mentioned, like the order that we're doing it on. But uh, I I think uh, I think it just works. The Giants have lost 12 of 13 games. Uh, We're talking we're kind of talking about the thing uh, we're talking about MLB and the schedule and everything. And I guess what I want to do is stop talking about that. (laughs) So. Uh, they're not good. They're not going to get good. There's none of that. None of that's happening. There is no. There is no prime Barry Bonds, prime Buster Posey walking through that clubhouse door to appropriate an NBA Twitter meme uh, or running joke. So this is it. This is the team, and they're gonna suck. They're gonna suck this year. They're gonna suck next year. They're probably gonna suck the year after, and then we'll see. But they're gonna suck for a long time. And I guess uh, if, you're, uh, if you listen to us and you read the site, uh, thank you. But also if you read the site, chances are you comment on the site or you're an intelligent, really sharp person and you're like, I'll read the comments, but hell no will I comment. Um, which is, I think, maybe the smartest choice. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, don't, don't comment on the site because then... You're going to, like, talk about the Giants, and that's yeah. the best-case scenario? Or you're going to use it as your TV review uh, page or Warriors talk. So, uh, um, we, we do want to know what you had for lunch, though. So oh, yeah, that absolutely. Is, that is the only good use of the comment section. That's in the, the sign-up for, for the comments. So, yeah, that's a, that's a main, main cog of the commentariat, I guess you could call them. Uh, but one of the sort of debates that sprung up when the team is hopelessly lost and has no chance of ever being good again is this idea of uh, that the Giants should tank. They should tank really hard and in as embarrassing a fashion as possible to secure the number one draft pick uh, next year for MLB. Not just number one draft pick, but, you know, in each round they're going to they're gonna have a nice order of the draft. They should theoretically be able to get transformative talent, etc., 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 um, and just tank. Don't even try to win. 
you know, and I think there's been a, a group of people who've combated that who are basically said, well, hey, now I followed these this team my entire life or I have followed them in the last 10 years, whatever, five years, whatever it is. I've come to know and love a lot of these players. You know, I don't know them personally, but I watch them play and I know or I know them just being around them or people who know them. And I know that they take a lot of pride in their work and I want to support them and what they're doing. I don't like the idea of spitting on their efforts and telling them to be losers. And I guess it's an interesting debate because on one level it is like I root for the team. And the other one is, yes, I root for the team, but to me the team is made up of these individuals. So it's a problem. And it's a problem to say they should just suck. Um, for the good of the team, that's not why they're there. And I guess, so that there is a debate, tank or no tank, or should it more like root for the tank versus don't root for the tank? And Doug, I guess now I'm going to stop talking and say, where do you land on this? Well, it's the thing about tanking is it's tough because um, if you look at a team, and this is going to be very cliched for a while before I get to my point, and I'm sorry about that, but you know, the team is made up of individual players, and each of those individual players you want to do well. And if they do badly, it's actually worse for the Giants. Because not only, because you know, if they're young prospects, then there's less hope for the future with them. If they're older guys, then you won't be able to trade them. If they're franchise mainstays who aren't getting traded no matter what, you don't want to see them suck because you're going to be watching them for years. So in the abstract, it's better for the Giants to lose a lot of games this year. But for basically every individual player, if they do badly, it's actually a bad thing for the franchise. Because, um, you know, if, if Eduardo Nunez does, you know, comes, out, comes off the DL and does badly, the Giants will not be able to trade him for a decent prospect. You know, they won't be able to restock to, you know, put one guy in, in high A and one guy in, and one okay guy in, like, triple A or whatever return he would get. That if... If Hunter Pence does badly, we're watching Hunter Pence next year, and he's still going to be bad. And that's just not going to be fun for anyone. So I understand why the team should lose, basically, at this point, uh, because the season's lost. It's over. It's hopeless. But it, it's hard to look at any individual play and be like, well, this would be a good time for Matt Moore to give up seven runs. I mean, he'll do it anyway. He's very pro-tanking. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's it's not... Taking it is not fun to watch. Uh, I think also it's people rooting for the tank are sort of, I think there's that mindset of like the Giants should in their, their mindset should be, maybe that's what the battle line really is. And I've misunderstood it is the idea that fans are, are rooting for the team to intentionally like go out there and say, I'm not going to try hard because it doesn't matter. Like they want the team to go in that direction um, which is an interesting mindset because tanking is a management position, and a lot right. of the pro, a lot of the pro tankers are anti management, which is fine. But it's an interesting dilemma, and I think then if you say if they say, oh, it's I'm not supporting the management, I'm saying the players should, then I think that is an interesting dilemma. So you're saying that you would go up to Buster Posey and say, hey, Buster Posey, forget your Hall of Fame career, you potential Hall of Fame career, tank. Make sure your team loses so that you guys can get a, a lot of, uh, the, the best possible lottery ticket next year. That is right. an absurd way of looking at it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what a take comes down to, though, is a lot of players playing really badly. 
or the thing is, is like the Giants don't have to actually go in, change their mindset to we're going to tank the season. They are all not good. They can't help but tank. It's really the most honorable take imaginable. <laughs> right. a, a bunch of, a bunch of years back, just before the Warriors started to be good, they had some draft pick that was conditional. You know, if if it was like number seven or whatever, they were going to have to trade it. And if it was number six, then they would get to keep it. And they lost a ton. Of, they just absolutely tanked at the end and got and got like whatever thing in the draft to assure that they wouldn't get a pick, you know, worse than number six. That's an intentional tank. The Giants don't have to do that. The Giants are going out there trying their best and still losing. So we don't have to worry about management deciding. You know, if management decided to tank at this point, they might end up with 70 wins in the number seven draft pick. Like, Which that's is, how bad they are everything right now. That's right. I mean, the Giants are playing for pride right now, and this is the result. <laughs> this is how well they're playing, playing for pride, playing max effort. Um, a lot of these guys are, you know, the Giants... Barry Bonds on the radio yesterday on um, Sunday, he mentioned, um, you know, that the Giants just haven't been all healthy at the same time. They're basically all healthy at the same time now. If you want to say Eduardo Nunez is like a key cog of that, and that's preventing that, I would sor- sort of disagree, but, you know. Well, I mean, B- Bumgarner. And Bumgarner, but I'm just saying Brandon Belt's last 45, well, basically... 38 of his last 45 games, he's or 46, he's been terrible. He had a little, since I posted that trade Brandon Belt article, he actually did do, he had like over a 900 OPS. He hit a few home runs. He started to look better. And then uh, against the Mets in the final game of the series, he just struck out three times. He just didn't, you know, killed rallies and was generally terrible. And, and Brandon Belt is a better player than what his numbers show, but he is having an awful year. Just it's now now in the awful year since it's lasted a little bit longer than his normal streaks. Usually at this time he gets bailed out with an injury, right? So he he goes away and then he comes back and then he struggles and then he gets hot again. Um, And so I don't know what's going to take to turn around, but I I do want to point this out. There's something very – I think it's really funny that the Giants – no part of the team is good, but the bullpen is actually even worse than last year. It's even yeah. worse, and it's the same guys. The offense is worse, and it's the same guys, but the bullpen is anarchy. It's just a mess, and the rotation is, for the most part, the same too, but it, that's kind of to be expected at this point. But, you know, the the bullpen, you know, uh, we should commend the Giants for finding the worst possible relievers to play on a potentially competitive team. Like, they scouted all of major, uh, professional baseball, and they decided that these 12, Waltz, Bochy, 13 pitchers were the best pitchers for their bullpen. That's that's tremendous scouting. <laughs> <laughs> they, I mean, you want to talk about tanking. It starts right there. That's right. The bullpen has been, the bullpen has been on this tanking thing since the All-Star break last year. Yeah. Uh, the Matt Duffy curse I don't believe in, but uh, the Giants are going to, you know, since the last All-Star break, they've lost like 90 games or something like that. And as I commented, I, oh, we're going to get to see the Giants lose 100 games twice in a year, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. Uh, there's no, 
it does start at the top. The tanking was accidental, and I think a $200 million roster being the worst team in franchise history and one of the worst, I think when it's all said, I don't see how the Giants are even going to get to 50, like double their win total right now. How they're even going to get to 54 wins. So they're going to be one of the worst baseball teams in history when the season is over. One of the, the worst team in franchise history, one of the worst teams in the entire sport. And the Giants came into the season going, we're going for it. This is our <laughs> last chance with the window. We're spending $200 million. And if you look at what their core is, it's not a stupid thing they did. This isn't like late-term Phillies where they held on to guys too long. But all of their core turned to ash, and then all of their relievers are complete, absolute garbage. Just the worst garbage. The... I can play for pride on a basketball court, but I'm going to be the worst person to ever play basketball, for example. And unfortunately, 23 out of the 25 players on the Giants roster are some of the worst people to play baseball this year. They're, they're all putting together a tremendous case for being like the worst regulars. Gorky Hernandez is going to get three, three or 400 plate appearances by the end of the year. That's madness. <laughs> you know, Matt Moore is gonna somehow make stay in the rotation all year long. We're gonna we've got you know Matt Cain's year is gonna end. You know he's not getting cut. So you know who's gonna have the lower ERA by the season's end? Matt Moore or Matt Cain? Uh, Matt Cain. I think Moore's got too much of a head start on him. So it's gonna be like six fifty eight to like five eighty nine. Yeah, I mean I also think that Cain's gonna come out of the rotation when uh, Bumgarner comes back. And so that's going to sort of limit the damage. I think, so. no, I, think Blo- I think Block goes right back out. I don't see. I think Bochi is like even more of a reason to keep Kane in the rotation is the veteran thing. Like we're not playing for anything. And Bochi's mindset is not so let's play the youngsters. It's let's let the veterans go out with some dignity. All right. But that's all right. We'll see who's right there. Because <laughs> yeah. if Block keeps having boom and bust cycles, I think... Maybe they'll switch off. You know, they're not going to want to... I just don't see them jettisoning jettisoning, jettisoning Matt Cain. Because um, they're going to keep going to, well, he started the season pretty strong. And maybe he can do that again. I mean, That's maybe. I, I doubt it. I think that the season will be so lost that the potential of actual good starts from Ty Block, even if it's only every other start will be so great it'll be even even Bruce Bochy will not be able to resist so I guess it's worth doing now what what do you predict the final win total will be uh so they are I'm gonna say 58 58 okay so they've played 78 games as of now and I want to do something that I forgot to do. The Giants are on pace with that Astros team from a few years ago, which has the that they and the Tigers have like two of the worst records in modern baseball history. Um, yes, this fifty-one and one hundred and eleven. Let's see where they where those Astros were after game uh, seventy-eight. And by the way, that team has not quite recovered from that. I mean, yes, they're the best team in baseball right now, but that fan base didn't come back. The fan base didn't go, we get what you're doing. Right. They, <laughs> Wait yeah, they, had, they, they had like a couple years where they had multiple games with yeah. 0.0 ratings. 
So after 78 games, the Houston Astros, the tanking, fully tanking 2013 Houston Astros, were uh, 29 and 49. So the Giants are doing worse than that. Fifty-one and one hundred and eleven in twenty thirteen. What was that Tigers team? But both of those teams were essentially trying to. They were intentionally tanking to like get better. That I, Tigers, I don't think the Tigers were. I think the Tigers were just bad. I think they had too many young players. That Tigers team was worse. It was forty-three and one hundred and nineteen. So that's definitely worse. Let's see where they were at after seventy-eight games. I think they were much worse. That they the Giants are still ahead of them. Uh, that team after 78 games was 18 and 60. So yes, <laughs> um, they got to 100 losses in uh, on the last day of August. That's yeah. that's remarkable. Um, so they're not going to beat that team, but they're definitely uh, on pace with those Astros teams. So uh, 200 million dollars basically down the drain. But if you're Charles <laughs> Johnson, the owner, the the what is he, his title is. Basically, he's he's the majority owner of on the he, board. He well, he has he has he controls more of the team than anyone else. Yes, right. Because I believe uh, Sue Burns used to, but uh, after she died, her her portion was split between her two daughters. Okay, so Charles Johnson, he basically okay, so he's the the fixture, the main guy of the Giants, twenty five person ownership group. I think it's 2025. twenty five, and uh, he. You know he's watching his investment this year. The next couple of years are going to be pretty rough. He did make an investment in something else, though. And it's something that's going to be controversial for you to hear because it's going to involve da 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 politics. <laughs> but but the Giants owner contributed three hundred thousand dollars to that Georgia sixth uh, congressional race against John Ostroff, the Democrats' candidate. I cannot remember the Republicans' candidate's name. It doesn't matter. He, he donated for Karen Handel, the Republican, against John Ossoff, the Democrat. There we go. So, Karen Handel, there we go. $300,000. And, of course, one of the big critiques of Ossoff was that all of his money was coming from out of state, primarily from San Francisco and Libtard, California. Uh, well, Charles Johnson owns the San Francisco Giants. You literally can't get more liberal than that. Uh, perception wise and I guess the idea of like why are you mentioning this Brian Uh, and that that is because politics you know when you have money and politics are involved it excuse me when you have money it's very difficult for politics to not be involved because all politics is doing is is securing your interests why would Charles Johnson care what, what a congressional race in Georgia was doing? I'm sure it was partially motivated by the fact that so many San Francisco liberals around him were donating money, and he thought he had to combat that in some way. But in a larger sense, I think it's pretty clear what's going on is that the modern GOP, not talking about you, the Republican voter who's about to turn this off, but the, the people in the party, the people in the party are are working for a group of people to not maintain the status quo, but to change it back into a very specific have and have not situation. Feudalism is what I'm talking about, (laughs) that we're on that. So do I like that my favorite baseball team is involved so directly in politics? No, I don't like that. And uh, is it a surprise? Not really, because by all accounts, Charles Johnson is like the Monopoly guy. Um, or like an Ebenezer Scrooge type. But these old guys who, you know, these baby boomers, 68 to 75-year-olds, 
watch Charles Johnson's like 54 years old. Um, you know, but these baby boomer uh, people who are, they're basically saying, I'm getting mine while I still can. And as I'm on the way out the door, I'm going to make sure I can screw as many people as I can because I can't take it with me, but I'm definitely going to be holding on to as much as I can at the end. Charles Johnson's 84 years old. Yeah. Uh, he's really old. And there's no reason for people of his ilk to hold on so strongly to it because at some point it stops being about what you worked for. It just does. It's impossible for you to... You're, you're making passive income. So you're not working for it. Also, if you're owning any part of a baseball team, you have a lot of money. <laughs> Basically, I can say that the Giants, uh, this is a one time I can talk about politics. Screw, screw the Republicans. I'm just saying that. Screw the, you know, I'm not a Democrat, and I do say screw the Democrats an awful lot, but screw the Republicans. They're the party in power, and 10 years from now, it's still going to somehow get turned into the Democrats did this, 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 or that. If you're mincing winklings, which the Democrats are, well, how, how are they getting pinned with anything? Because you don't have self-reflection, you're in denial. It's just gross. I don't know, it's just gross. And we're watching baseball. It's a product of millionaires playing a game, and that's fine. I'm just saying when you take the extra step of like, I've made a lot of money, and I'm going to make sure that I change the laws so that I can keep it and get more and screw people over, uh, I find that disgusting. I do. I find it personally disgusting. And someone's going to fire back with, oh, but taxes do that and giving benefits to illegals or this or that. And it gets into a whole situation and to that I say, well, it's all about the type of person you want to be. If you think that you exist because you're only living for yourself and the city limits you're living in and the team you're a part of or whatever, the culture you're a part of, if you don't think you're a part of that, that you're above it in some way, that's the type of person who's ripe for a fall, not a type of person who should be adored. So that's it. I've talked at it, Doug. Now it's all on me. Charles Johnson is a shithead. <laughs> there it is. Um, but I mean, it was pretty absurd that the Democrats dumped so much money into a race they would lose just so they could say, oh, we, we gave it a shot. We, we made it a tough race. <laughs> we tried. Yeah. They, they, they had to work extra hard to beat us. But you're not going to get like an Apollo Creed rematch where they're like, I won, but I didn't beat them. <laughs> they're not going to, they're going to be like, we won. Great. We're going to take this and run with it and change all the laws and all that stuff. When they convene a new constitutional convention in a few years, when there are no more Democrats, that'll be an interesting thing. So <laughs> I think it's pretty gross that the Giants are outwardly, obviously involved in politics like that. And just like the Hunter Strickland thing a couple weeks ago, I, they know I'm going to keep watching them and I'm probably going to give them money at some point but I think because of that I feel even more inclined to be like screw you <laughs> right I can criticize them just as, you know Hunter Strickland's not going to be on the team unless I die tomorrow which I hope I don't but <laughs> I'm going to my watching the Giants is going to out, outpace Hunter Strickland being on the team and it will probably just if you look at the actuarial tables past Charles Johnson being, you know, owning the team. So to me, it's like you guys are the things that have to go away. Or you will eventually. I don't know. 
Why did I want to bring this up? I don't know. Maybe I should cut all. Maybe I should cut all this. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, this is not uncommon for baseball owners to be involved in politics or to give money, large money. But it's all to make sure that you keep the wheels going in your direction, and whatever. <laughs> good, good for him. He finally won one. Good for the Republicans. They finally won one. That they've been they've been hurting for an L or a W for a long time. Yeah, they, those scrappy underdogs finally pulled one out. Yep. I mean. No, no group of people in the history of the world has ever been as downtrodden and defeated as the Republican Party. Um, anyway, that's enough about that. Let's talk <laughs> about let's talk about something better, and that is Grant has a TV show, as we mentioned. It's called Giants Outsiders. I guess it's not his show. He's got a co-host too, but uh, we're going to really focus on that. Grant Brisby has a TV show. It's going to be after. Select uh, home Giants games, and that's going to include Monday and Tuesday against the Rockies this week. Uh, uh, what do you hope will happen from that? Do you think it'll bring more traffic to the site, or do you think Grant Brisby will become a, a sex icon in the Bay Area? I'm uh, I'm rooting for sex icon. <laughs> I think I think it's going to happen. I think uh, he's going to make he's going to make like an Anthrax reference. And the ladies are just going to go wild. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's he's overdue. It's about time. <laughs> uh, is it Therese Vignal or Teresa Vignal? I don't know. But that is the, the co-host. I, I don't know. We could have asked before we recorded, but no. It, we'll find out on the show. <laughs> and be corrected, uh, which I don't mind being embarrassed by people but that's fine we won't come up on the show we won't no but uh we won't come up but uh i think uh grant being on tv i think we should look out to we should try to get him at some point after the first week or so once he settles in we should try to do that leap of faith thing does does anyone remember the movie leap of faith with steve martin and he was a I was going to say a flim flam man, but he was like a preacher in a, a big church tent and he'd go around doing gospels, but he was a con man, obviously he'd go from town to town or whatever. And his group, his tech people would like take up a collection every week and they'd try to get him to work some sort of ridiculous phrase into a sermon and like make it as natural as possible. So like one of them was like aluminum siding and he's like aluminum siding. It protects you from like this or that. And so we, I think we should try to get Grant to slip in something like right. after the first um, week. Well, there's a more, there's a more kind of giants related example of that kind of thing. Actually back in the day when the internet was, uh, was using that, uh, or at least when there were giants using that groups that were relatively popular, uh, a young Giants writer for the San Francisco Chronicle named Hank Shulman went on. And they were like, you're not Hank Shulman. Because they all knew who he was. Prove it. Say Abe Vigoda in the story. So, within within the next couple days, he mentions Abe Vigoda in a story. <laughs> Alright, so Grant's got to mention Abe Vigoda. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's got to keep it up there. Uh, put in the comments what you'd like to see Grant work into uh, a broadcast. And keep it simple. If you're like 16 years old using the site, don't get elaborate. Keep it simple. A phrase, something distinct, though. 
<laughs> and also keep it plausible to something that he could say. So, like, not, oh, I'm glad the Giants won today. Nothing like that. <laughs> I think he could work in Abe Vigoda pretty easily, though. It's like, these yeah. guys didn't just get old overnight. They didn't turn into a bunch of Abe Vigodas. Like, he could do that, like, very easily. But Oh, no, Abe Vigoda is totally in his yeah. wheelhouse. Yeah. 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 No, you know, no elaborate <laughs> phrases or anything like that. Just something simple. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think uh, Grant. I, what I want to point out, because maybe it's not clear, Grant certainly gets appreciation on the site all the time. But I mean, this is a guy who's built. <laughs> Sorry, I just realized I said it like a ridiculous, uh, like football analyst. This is a guy with the motor. <laughs> but uh, you know, Grant is one of the pillars of of uh of SB Nation he's and because of like legitimately because of his talent and his reach he's helped Vox Media become its thing I mean Vox had its money but they put their money in that and in SB Nation and it, it's a it's a good symbiotic relationship he's worked to the point where now it's like even the Giants are like this is a person who gets it who works well with our brand all that stuff and they want to give him the visibility um, and he's to be applauded for that and commended. So I just want to make sure everyone's appreciating the the hard work that's gotten him here. And uh, and he couldn't have done it without any of us, though. I just want to make that also. I'm just kidding. He didn't need any of us. That's the point I'm making. He's getting the job like 90% <laughs> yeah. of us yeah. starting the podcast. <laughs> if anything, we held him back. He could have had this show sooner. Uh, <laughs> well, we, we were going to do this a year ago, but then we started to doubt his judgment. That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, things like the llama boss posting uh, probably set him back a little bit. You know, it hurt his bonus money, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> some of the commenters here and there, you know, a Victor Finkenstein, et cetera. You know, that might have worked against him a little bit. So uh, I'm just kidding. But congratulations to Grant. And uh, I look forward to watching it. It's going to be simulcast on Facebook Live. So if you don't have cable, it seems like you're going to be able to watch it anyway. Um I don't have anything else to say about that, but I thought it was worth mentioning. And I was going to write a post uh, on it, but I, I don't know if I'll have time. <laughs> I was going to write a post on it, but then I didn't have anything to say besides, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it, it's, it's going to be live. It's not going to be scripted. I think my post is going to be somewhere around, those, around that. I'm like, the Giants are so bad, why not script it? So. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes. Well, if we're talking about Steve Martin movies, it's like L.A. Story, doing the pre-taping the weather. That's right. Exactly right. <laughs> it's L.A. It's just going to be sunny. <laughs> uh, a couple of other things uh, before we get into the end of the show here. Uh, the Giants called up one of their other interesting prospects following Austin Slater. Um, oh, and I guess I should point out, well, Ryder Jones gets called up over the weekend. And, uh, and you know, a left-handed power hitter in AT&T Park. Yeah. <laughs> but still, the fact that the Giants have interesting prospects now that they can bring in and they are recognizing that they are not... Uh, they shouldn't be precious with the idea of just trying things out at this point in the season. Which So those are two things, as a Giants fan, that have been exceptionally rare occurrences or have never happened before or at least not in the same season, where the Giants have both interesting prospects, plural, and are open to trying them out when things aren't going well. Right. 
it's usually one or the other, but it's almost never that they have interesting prospects. Right. It's usually the Dan Ortmeyers of the world right. where you go, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where it's like, play the kids. And they're like, eh. <laughs> you don't want that. Uh, and Kyle Crick, uh, that's who I meant to mention as well. Kyle Crick also being called up. And so, you know, one thing about Ryder Jones, if you didn't listen to Roger on the podcast last week when he was doing the survey of the minor leagues and the draft, um, you know, Ryder Jones sort of has took a leap in his minor league career. He his, um, his isolated slugging jump, jumped 100 points. His power just jumped tremendously. But in addition to that, his strikeout to walk sort of went down or it went down significantly. It was more like a three to one strikeout to walk and now it's down to two to one. Obviously, it's not going to translate perfectly over to the major leagues. He's going to have to make some adjustments. His, his defense at third base is solid enough. AT&T Park's going to totally decimate that home run power, of course. But, you know, it was, it, it's, an, it's a good move. I mean, he did, wasn't beating the, 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 the doors down to get up there, but he was playing well enough that the Giants were like, okay, why not? And I think that injury to Nunez also made it easier. But... Um, uh, and you've seen him, and you've seen Ty Block. Is there anything you can add that that or not Ty Block, uh, Kyle Crick, that we could look for? Um, so is so Kyle Crick is a little harder. I've only seen Kyle Crick in a couple games. It's just been with relievers. You never know if they're going to come in, and a lot of times they don't. Uh, Ryder Jones, uh, his defense is not great at, at third base. A lot of people think eventually he'll. Defensively, he'll have to be a corner outfielder. Um, his arm is is fantastic. He uh, he apparently grades out as one having one of if not the best arm in the Giants system. But uh, at the plate, you know, he's just he hasn't displayed it in the majors so far. You've seen a lot of sort of jitters, and hopefully he has a chance to play through it. But his his pitch selection this year has been fantastic. He's sort of gone up and had a plan, and when he gets the the ball, he thinks he's gonna hit, he hits it hard. And that's that's really great to see, the miners, uh, and hopefully he will not succumb to the curse of being a San Francisco Giant that has felled so many players here. <laughs> when you put on that uniform, it is like a curse. Um, yeah, the approach or pitch selection is is I'm pivoting now into something that I want everyone to try and find if they have an MLB.com or .tv subscription or if KMBR winds up posting it. Barry Bonds was interviewed by Dave Fleming in the booth for Sunday's game against the Mets. And uh, in terms of sequencing, this is what I'm bringing up, pitch selection, He, they, as soon as he sat down, they like foisted on him John Miller's call of that home run at Yankee Stadium. Wow, oh my gosh, that was 15 years ago. Oh my God, we're all going to die, Doug. This is depressing. <laughs> but uh, that call, and he... He proceeded to tell the story, which maybe he said before. I just can't recall hearing it. He proceeded to tell the story. He said, before that game, Bobby Bonilla, like one of his best friends on the planet, comes up to him in the clubhouse before the game, and he goes, Lily's going to challenge you. And he goes, now, BB and I, we joke with each other all the time. So I thought he was joking at first. He said, he's going to challenge you. And he goes, Bobby, if Ted Lilly challenges me, I'm going to hit the ball out of the stadium. And so he and so they laughed and whatever. And then in the game he comes up and this is the part that made you know, you guys, if you've been listening to the show at all, you know I'm like a total nerd for sequencing. I think it's a big deal, even though it's not. <laughs> but he goes 
So I, I think it was the third pitch they threw that, but based on the sequencing up to before that pitch, I knew he was going to challenge me. I knew Benia was right, and I couldn't believe it at first. And then he challenged me, and I just, you know, I did what I did. I, I don't know if it was the longest home run I'd ever hit, but it was, you know, it was far. And uh, he, he said, as I was walking, running around the stadium, I was just looking for Bobby Bonilla. Um, I, all I bring that up to say is, is I feel like sequencing doesn't get enough coverage. But also that Barry Bonds can, tell, can spin in an entertaining yarn. And it's fun to hear him talk about his home runs. And maybe, that's, maybe he should just be in the booth for the rest of the season, home games, and just <laughs> regale us with the tale of Barry Bonds. Uh, because it's far more entertaining than what's on the field. What we did mention was that Buster Posey, he feels like, is one of those hitters very much like him that makes him a great hitter versus an average hitter. And that Buster Posey is intellectual at the plate. He's trying to figure out what the pitcher is doing, and he's taking what the pitcher gives him. And he feels like that's what separates the great hitters. If Ryder Jones is any version of that, ah, I brought it back. If Ryder (laughs) Jones is any version of that, and I feel like the Giants, for all their polish and kind of bland prospects, I feel like Arroyo, Duffy... Um, Panic, Wow, Belt, and, and Posey. Maybe not Belt as much, but I feel like at least when you're watching them, it seems like they're, they are trying to figure out what the pitcher is doing, that they, there is sort of that mindset going on. Um, and I think that that is an interesting thing to consider uh, about. Is there, is there more value in an intelligent hitter like that? And then I actually think, Doug, that the answer is, not really. If he just hits the ball hard when he hits it, and he doesn't swing and miss that much, then it doesn't really matter how he gets there. I, I would take value from any kind of hitter at all. <laughs> you don't get that, Doug. You're going to get 100 <laughs> lost seasons for the next three years, and that's it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, being, I'm, I'm being such a Democrat. I'm just bargaining myself down, and I can't even get what I want. <laughs> you started from a position of compromise. <laughs> Uh oh, oh, and so I guess I guess that's it for that. I'm, there's no format here. I want to do. I do want to talk about also real quick. I want to mention follow up on my trade Brandon Belt, Belt post, and that is um, I think the Giants, if he had been playing better, should. And I wrote that article assuming that the 37 or odd games that he was so terrible, whereas where everything fell 100 plus points, you know, average on base, slugging everything. And he just looks terrible. I just assume that's going to turn around. And for like eight games after that article he did. But this past weekend, not not quite. Well, Sunday, definitely not quite so hot. In any case, my main point from that was he's 29 and the young 29. And out of all the core Giants hitters, he has the most trade value, mainly because of his age. And mainly if you pull him out of AT&T Park and put him in almost literally any other stadium in the major leagues, he's going to be even better than what he is as a Giant. But my main point is, Doug, is what do you think about these core Giants players going forward who most fans gasp when you suggest trading or whatever, that they are on the 100-plus loss team? (laughs) Brandon Crawford's playing every day. Brandon Belt's playing every day. Buster Posey's playing every day. Joe Panik's playing every day. Yeah. And they're going to lose 100 games. (laughs) Yeah, it's bad. Like I don't I don't I don't know who they are. Like you know, if is Brandon Crawford was never supposed to be a good hitter is something to remember about him, right? He was supposed to just be a defense first Omar Vizquel, whatever, and Ozzy Smith. 
And then he suddenly turned himself into a really, really good hitter. A gold, a, glove, a gold glove caliber hitter. Gold glove caliber hitter. And now he's not that. And, like, you can, you can have a, a very bad team with a few good players on it. Like, the, the 85 Giants had Chili Davis, who went on to enjoy a good long career as a good player after that. Um, but it's hard to look at that team and say, yeah, the core of this team is really what should stay together. Even if you, you account for Bumgarner being a big part of that core and him being hurt. There is something wrong with the Giants. And maybe it will take trading Brandon Bell to fix it. Maybe it'll take trading Brandon Crawford to fix it. Uh, obviously, Posey and Bumgarner aren't going anywhere, and they shouldn't. But it's you have to look at something drastic. And I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't know if there even can be an answer. Uh, and that's sort of that is the scary part of it that people don't want to acknowledge that maybe the Giants are just kind of screwed for a long time. Maybe yep. any of this talk about minutia moves. Any of the talk in the offseason in March about, well, should they sign Angel Pagan? It doesn't matter because they're doomed. Because they're doomed. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason to keep George Contos, and he's having a nice season, so he should move. There's no reason to keep him. Eduardo Nunez, you know, you hope he comes back before the, all- before the uh, trade deadline. You know, he comes back early in July, long enough to keep playing at basically the level he's been playing at. He should not be on the team. He should be moved. And it's not because these aren't good players that, that you wouldn't want on a team, but the Giants are not a good team. It's, it's because and, good players yeah. that other teams should want. And if you look at teams that have lost 100 or 100-plus 100 games, they're not good the next year. The 100 lost Giants did win 83 games the next year. So... Already there's like, oh, but if this team were to go, if they kept basically 85% of this roster going into next year or 80% and they won 83 games, they're not going to the playoffs. Yeah. I and mean, they're the, also a year older. The, if, remember the 100 loss, 85 Giants. The next year in 83, they had Will Clark, who had a great rookie season. They added Ron Thompson, who had, a, who had a really nice rookie season. They were They fundamentally changed things about the core of that team. So and it's if that yeah, yeah yeah that's probably what this team needs to do, and you know you look at you know the Giants bubble bursting in two thousand and four seventy five seventy six seventy one seventy two wins, uh, and that was because they didn't have a rebuild plan and it was just like let's just keep juicing this Barry Bonds thing. Ha! I didn't realize I was making that pun connection just. <laughs> Yet. But, uh, you know, that was it. They were riding out the end of Bonds, and they're like, oh, I guess we better fix something. And it still takes two or three years for these teams to turn it around. And um, one thing that Roger mentioned in his podcast, again, if you don't listen to it, you should listen to it. He's, he does a great coverage of it. I'm not talking to you, Doug. I'm talking to all the listeners. <laughs> and uh, he said that the Giants should be maybe trading the Contoses of the world uh, on the roster, if they can, to get, like, A-ball prospects. Not because... A-ball prospects are going to be the future, but if you can bring, you know, if you can get guys that teams are not going to care about right, you know, for the next few years, and you can sort of 
give your system some like it's like eating sprouts it's like just giving your body some extra life some life-giving seeds in there essentially um you can maybe uh you can juice the whole like amp up the whole farm system over the next few years you've if you just populate it with talent period with you know the giants have traditionally just been we want higher ceiling guys even if they're or higher floor guys even if their ceiling is not that great because we want them to be able to get to the major leagues now the Giants are at the point where it's like, we need the Will Clarks. You know, we need, like, some sort of dynamic talent because there's just – it's a nightmarish hellscape. Especially on the pitching side, it's, 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 it's sort of shocking to look at the Giants pitching organizationally and go – and do that pull-your-collar gong sound because that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they there's no one they can call up from AAA, who's definitely going to be an improvement. If there was, they couldn't put anyone in AAA to replace that guy because most of the guys in AA have been so bad. It's just, and so on down the line. It's just all around the pitching in the organization has been terrible. And so even if they can fix the offense this year in the majors, which they can't, uh, they still can't have a competitive major league pitching staff. So they need wholesale changes there. So that means a lot of your favorites who you're rooting for are going to go away. And it's out of necessity. And I'm sure they've played their hearts out, but they are overmatched on the Major League level. And that is, it's surprising. I think uh, John Miller and Dave Fleming, they talked about this before Bonds was on the air. It's like, you know, the Giants are walking around in a stupor. They can't understand that all of a sudden they're just bad. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's that's a... That is a worthy thing to be stuck in. An existential crisis is not resolved in a week. So the fact that they're feeling maybe the last few weeks, the last month, that they're just stunned and in a daze and they don't know what's going on, or the last two or three months they don't know what's going on, that's totally understandable. And you have to hope that the people who make the decisions are not still feeling the same thing as the players and they've sort of made a, a left turn, and they're like, okay, we're going to change some things. Um, so let's let's roll into our game for the week. It'll be a brief one, because we only have to do two each, is what I'm deciding. <laughs> Doug, how would you write the Netflix synopsis of the Giants 2017 season? Let's say you've watched everything on Netflix, and for some reason you're like, I'm going to watch the 2017 Giants. And for whatever reason, Netflix had commissioned a series of it. Usually you'll click on it, and you'll see like a brief one or two sentence description and so like it would be like a group of losers get together and try to face off against uh, a bunch of winners who they couldn't possibly beat like that would be one example it's not a great example but sort of what would be your Netflix uh, description of the of the 2017 Giants let's um, I would say that so Netflix can get a little informal with their descriptions Uh, at times is a way to put that and so I think it would be uh, the Giants are used to enjoying success but they're going to have to get used to something else in 2017 (laughs) I would tweak that with colon uh, way to or more losing than they could ever possibly imagine yeah yeah (laughs) Um, okay uh, let's see. 
a couple of hicks, a couple of city boys, and a mumbling manager try to navigate the ins and outs of a tire fire. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um. Last one. Uh, let's see. When Bruce started this year, he never imagined it would be the longest year of his life. <laughs> oh, man, that's really good. That's going to be hard to top. <laughs> um... Uh, okay. Um, when Hunter came to Earth, he never thought he would be so readily accepted by a group of humans. But in a season of total disaster, in a in a year of total disaster, he'll find out what really makes humanity work and the limits of his extraterrestrial exhibit, existence. <laughs> Yours was better. I think number three is what we're going to go with. So, congratulations, Doug. You've won. I didn't know if you knew what the prize for this game was, but now you uh, you now have Grant's job on the, on the TV show. Oh, okay. So, cool. Yeah. Congratulations. Giants Outsiders starring Moonwalk McFly. That, that, that was the only way I could negotiate. It couldn't be your actual name. It had to be your Twitter name. Well, that, that's <laughs> fine. I don't, I don't want my, my real name associated with the Giants. <laughs> Uh, any Twitter questions this week? We do. The first one comes from uh, at Clint W, who asked us, why? <laughs> there are uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 13 whys in the word why. Uh, I think the Giants going after a bunch of high floor guys has come back to get them. Uh, I think it's because one person in the audience, one of you listening, uh, has committed some horrible, unspeakable sin that you've never repented for, and God is punishing you, personally. I I think it's because I said they were going to be good this year. That's actually why. <laughs> I really thought they were going to be an 84-87 to 87 win team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, if they only have 84 to 87 losses, this will be have been a successful season. Um, I, I, I do want to say this, a little bit separate from the question, a while back, a month or so back, the Giants had like a hot streak where they won 8 out of 10, and so I was like, oh, I can get an article out of this. So I wrote, is this who the Giants are? And I put a poll at the end that was like, do you think the Giants are going to be good this year? You know, yes, no, and some funny third option. Uh, and then I got a couple people who were like, well, you should have more. You should have defined good and bad more specifically. And you know what? No, I shouldn't have. The answer was bad. That was the answer. If you didn't say bad, you have no one to blame but yourself. <laughs> I, it doesn't totally defy explanation. It's just simply a matter of everybody hit their ceiling, and they're they're probably overmatched by literally every team. Right. This is like if you if you came into a season with a team like the Giants had had coming into the year, like with the careers they've had, this would be a very low probability outcome. This is like the third percentile projection on Pakoda is this team. But it can happen. 
it'll happen 3% of the time. And you have to look at it and you have to go... I mean, I can look at it and I go, Brandon Crawford's bat speed legitimately looks worse. Legitimately looks worse. Brandon Belt has looked like this for his entire career in spurts. And now it's just dragging on a little bit longer. Buster Posey has old man strength now, it seems like. Or like dad strength. <laughs> but he's he's playing fine. I, I just go back to Buster Posey is... He's not Aaron Judge. He's not... He's not a cornerstone offensive player where he can do all these crazy things. He's such a solid, great hitter. And the fact that he's been sort of cast as the anchor to the lineup, the fact that he's lived up to it even this year is remarkable. But he's miscast at the same time. But everyone else is so bad. Hunter Pence, that, there's, nothing, there's nothing there. No. No, that's, that's someone who's done. And Denard Spam, he's done. There's nothing there. Um... I mean, the Giants, usually the Giants kind of, these things happen in, in, in patches. Like, oh, this guy goes out. He's done now. Or they can get through an entire season. It looks like they just, they all fell apart at the beginning of the year. I, I will say this for Denard, for Denard Span. He has been a league average hitter this year. Well, fair enough. You would not expect that, but yeah. there it is. I feel like Joe Panics kind of rebounded slightly in the last couple weeks to, to be okay. Um, I would, I think I'd like to just see him stay in the number two spot for the rest, for like the next month and just see if, if that'll work itself out. Cause I, I'm not sure moving, juggling the lineup all the time. It doesn't really matter. I guess they say, but psychologically, just like if you just leave things as they are, just see what happens that way. I mean, so Joe, Joe Panic, sure. just for the record, Joe Panic basically has the same batting line as an art span. Except Panic has 15 more points of on-base percentage, 15 less points of slugging. And he still plays better defense than Denard's fan does. He plays better so, defense, and yeah. he's younger, so you would expect him to yeah. be better next year. But right, yeah. So what else we got? Uh, the next question comes from uh, Juan Barajas at Yay Area 853 who asked, uh, and we can fold this into another question, if Cueto gets traded to the Yankees, does he have to cut off his hair? And then the other question about Cueto getting traded was from David Sanchez at DMSJR1978. Teams possibly in the market for Cueto. So, first off, does he have to cut off his hair with the Yankees? Didn't they change the rules slightly? Did they? I'm not sure. I don't care about the Yankees, so it's kind of hard for me to so I don't, know that. I don't think we should look this up because the Yankees aren't important enough to us to do that. So I'm going to say he doesn't have to cut off his hair. He doesn't have to, yeah. I don't, yeah. Um, I also still think that that's a logical landing spot for Brandon Bell. Yeah, I mean, the, the Yankees have a hole at, at first base, and the Giants have a first baseman who's on a team going nowhere, so that is a logical landing spot. And he can easily fit into their payroll this year and next year. Like, they're under the cap enough, or the Giants can just pay the salary still this year. And then next year, the Yankees have, like, $60 million coming off the books when when Belt's uh, salary figure goes up, like, $9 million. It'll fit fine. So he'll hit so many home runs in Yankee Stadium, it'll be ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a great spot for him. Also, as I mentioned, the Giants, I, I think the one reason why they wouldn't do it is they wouldn't have someone once or twice a year to blame all their woes on. 
Or maybe that becomes Austin Slater. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but other other landing spots for Cueto? I don't, Cleveland? Boston. Boston. Uh, no, don't wish that on anybody. I don't, I don't wish it on him, but, I mean, it is a possibility. Back to Kansas City, which would be weird, but not impossible. But apparently uh, Kansas City's good again, so that's nice for them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think the Giants would probably not want to trade him. I don't think it matters. They're not competing. They'd probably trade him anywhere. I don't see how they would... They would never trade him to the Dodgers, but I could see the Dodgers tricking the Giants by getting some other team to... It's like a stealth three-way deal. I could see that happening. I mean, if anything, I would want the Giants to trade him directly to the Dodgers so the Giants can have those good Dodger prospects. And those good Dodger prospects can maybe haunt the Dodgers for a lot of years. That'd be fun. That's a good point. That's a good point. Although then the Dodgers would just deploy an entirely new lineup of their prospects. Right. They have have 12 more number one prospects. That's right. Just waiting. (laughs) We're going to find out in 10 years that the Dodgers have so many high prospects because they just went in and hacked into these databases and just changed like a bunch of 100s to 1 or like 12s to 1. Yeah, I would say that those are... Yeah, I don't, uh, Cleveland just seems like it's a it's a possibility. Um, I don't know, Toronto Cleveland seems like the one to root for, really. Yeah, Toronto. I don't know. I, I guess I also tend, try to think. You know, the Yankees would also still be a, a logical spot. W- would be a good spot for them. They do need another starting pitcher. Um, yeah, Boston. Ooh, that's terrible. That's just that's just mean. That's mean, Doug. Well, they, uh, they always need Boston always needs pitchers who they blame for everything when anything goes wrong. Baltimore and Toronto, you know, Baltimore's four out, Toronto's five out. The the Rays are only two and a half out, but they would never make that move, especially for a couple of months for essentially a rental. Um, yeah, Cleveland, Kansas City, Minnesota, Houston, uh, and Texas, and the Angels. Nope. It's really just Houston in the West. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I could see, I could see the, the Astros even going, you know, just to add him in there, just to really bolster it. And who knows, in the next few weeks there might be an injury or, or something like that. Um, I don't think the Yankees are the best fit for Cueto. They're, like, the most logical landing spot. I'm not sure. But a Cueto and Belt deal to the Yankees would be very interesting. I don't think the Yankees quite have that many excellent prospects that the Giants would want. I mean, would they get Greg Bird back in return? So I don't know. Do the Giants want Greg Bird or do they want somebody exactly, else? Exactly right. Exactly right. I, I, I'm not sure you know, they'd want him. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's one more question. comes from Rob Hayner, friend of the Chromecast, who asked, what high schooler are they going to take with the number one pick next year? Rob. 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 Rob, we're not the right people to ask about this. <laughs> yeah, that was the last week question with Roger. Uh, but definitely ask him in minor lines. He'd be more than happy to answer. Um, and we talked a little bit about that, about the Giants going after high school hitters and sort of essentially saying, you know what, we do want to get this potentially dynamic talent into our system instead of just these high floor guys. Um, and that's what you're getting with high schoolers. The first three picks were high schoolers. They only picked three more high schoolers the rest of the draft. So, you know, they basically went back to their typical drafting patterns. Um, I think they, they would definitely 
you would hope that they would take the best of like overall consensus as much as baseball scouts can have a consensus player, regardless of where that person is on the spectrum, college or high school. I'm, I'm sure they would hope it's a college junior, though, because then that means they get to the major leagues that much sooner. Right. I mean, um, you look at the drafts the Giants had from, um, you know, 2005 to 2007. They were to, to 2008. I'm sorry. Uh, it was, you know, Lincecum in 2006. Sorry, 2006, 2008. Lincecum in 2006 college uh, player, Bumgarner in 2007, high school, Posey in 2008, college. And if you want to throw in Zach Wheeler in 2009, who has not been a star like them, but has had good moments, you know, he was a high school player. And those picks were all basically hits um, in terms of scouting. So I wouldn't worry too much about scout slash or about high school or college, you know, which one it would be. They're just going to take whoever they like the most. And uh, it's going to be whoever they like the most in the country because they are going to have a high pick. That's right. So hopefully it's not the MVP of the Cape Cod League. <laughs> <laughs> Although, watch, it, they don't pick that person, and then there was, like, curious move by the Giants is the <laughs> Cape Cod League MVP is one of, considered one of the best hitters who could probably play in the major leagues a year from now. <laughs> um, uh, one, I, we had, like, I did ask for questions last week with Roger, and I didn't get to them. But we had one also from Rob Hainer that I just wanted to add in there because it's something I mentioned uh, when I was talking to Doug before we started recording, and now I want to get Doug's comment on the air. Is Austin Slater the real deal? Um, I mean, I think he's a good player. I don't know that he's, you know, he's not the answer to some big, huge problem the Giants have, but he's a nice player to have on a team. Um, you know, he's not going to continue. I don't know what he's hitting now. And, you know, maybe he's hurt now, so that'd be fun. That's just the Giants need. But, you know, he wasn't going to hit 360 forever, but I think he could be a good 270, 280 hitter, something like that, with decent power um, and good defense, which at this point, hey, he could he could be a Major League Baseball player, and the Giants have him. So that's, right. that's fine. Do that. Uh, yeah, I think him. I think him being like a fourth outfielder, if this, this was actually a good team, would be great. Um, the fact that he's starting every day, fine, so be it. And someone else will probably end up in left field at some point anyway. I don't think he's the future by any means, but um, yeah. Uh, oh, and then one other thing that uh, that people have been, people have been saying, actually, people have been asking the last couple of weeks. They said, Brian, the Giants are actually how you've been saying they are over the last <laughs> five, ten years. They are now as bad as you've told us or thought they were. How does that make you feel? Well, it makes me, because that anxiety of when are they going to be this bad is gone now, because now they are, um, it doesn't feel great. I just don't feel as upset about it as maybe if I hadn't sort of, I've been preparing myself for this. Since, since they lost the World Series in 2002. So, <laughs> I've been preparing myself for this moment of when they're just beyond any sort of talent, when nothing about them is remotely good, they're not competitive to the Major League style of play, everything they do is wrong. You're right. It is how I've been talking about every single one of the Giants <laughs> teams for a very long time. Um, and, and now it just makes me go, it's really depressing to watch them. Like, they suck. Did we not make that clear at the beginning, Doug? They really suck. Oh, God, they suck. 
They effing suck. Every single person on that team sucks. They're not major league caliber baseball players. But suppose he's accepted from everything I'm saying, obviously. There's nothing good about them. They're terrible. Every team has a better pl- version of that player. I, there's just nothing to them. And uh, it's there's no point in evaluating, which is part of our job. It's why it's hard to write the recaps. It's like, well, <laughs> they were bad again. Uh, Ruben wrote a great post, and Sammy did too. Both of them covered uh, different angles for how to do that, so that's good. But uh, it's hard to write that they're bad all the time. Um, and it's hard to talk about them as being bad all the time. And that's why I brought up Charles Johnson donating to political campaigns, because it avoided us talking about what's wrong with Hunter Pence, which we answered succinctly, he's done. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're just bad. So, do I take any joy from in that? Uh, <laughs> a little, sure. Um, I, I guess. I guess what I was always hoping. I think this is what every person thinks. The thing that you're interested in, that you like or appreciate, you egotistically think, oh, it's better than other people's things. I think the Giants have the best broadcasting team, for example, and I feel. Uh, I feel like I can put them up pound for pound against every other broadcasting team in Major League Baseball, and I will feel totally comfortable with that. And even though the Giants have ticked me off organizationally for so long, or, you know, and who knows, I don't know anything, the fact is that they do, just they're competitive and they do their own thing and it works out. And so, the, and then when I watch other teams play or I watch other managers do their thing, there is a part of me that goes, oh, the Giants are better than most teams. And so I always took that in there. But when you, you when you just fall off a cliff like this, it just makes me go, no, you're no different. <laughs> Every team goes through these cycles. And uh, and so there is that little bit of like, nah, they're not that special. That does take a little shine off a little bit. Uh, this is, it, it's rough. They suck. There's nothing, there's nothing, there's no two ways about it. They're bad. And you can't even, you can't even enjoy a Sacramento team because that's bad too. Uh, no, you can. The thing about the minor leagues is I don't really care if they win or lose. I mean, they win, they lose a lot, but I'm mostly there to watch sort of interesting prospects. I'm there to watch Chris Shaw and Matt Williamson and, um, you know, the rest. Tyler Rogers is like a really cool submariner. He's fun. Like, he might not make the majors. He might not be good in the majors, but he's fun. You know, there's there's something in the minors that if you're sort of separate from the experience of caring all that much whether they win or lose, like, I'd rather they win, but it's not a huge deal to me if they don't. If they come, if some, you know, if no offense to Craig Sitton, who is a minor league free agent who the Giants signed this year, but if Craig Sitton blows a lead in the eighth inning, I don't care at all. Like, <laughs> it doesn't affect me. Um, so, I mean, it's, it is a little bit different in that way. But, yeah, it's, it's, you do wish that there were better players. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell you to not watch the Giants. Don't listen to them. You should listen to the radio broadcast <laughs> instead of watching. But I can't tell you to not go to the games. Don't sell your tickets. But I will say, this is my tip to people who are still going to go because they want to support the Giants. Don't support the Giants. Go and watch to see how they <laughs> blow it. That's what you should be going at. It should be like a magic trick. You're going to try to figure out how they're going to embarrass themselves. They're like, they really are like the magicians of embarrassment. So find, you know, go in there and like try to see if you can see, you know, them slipping the, you know, how they do the trick. 
And that's the way that I think we should probably all try to watch them the rest of the year. How are they going to blow this one? Because we know they are. Yeah. On the other hand, um, I, I wrote a, I wrote a are, post last are, year. Go ahead. <laughs> I wrote a post last year that said, don't watch the Giants. And you know what? I don't. If you don't watch the Giants, like if you can't do what Brian's saying, if you can't take joy in their inevitable failures, then it's okay to not watch them. It's not okay to not listen to this podcast because you need this information that we're giving you. <laughs> but, you know, not watching the Giants this year is not a bad decision. Yeah, and maybe take the next couple of years off. <laughs> just, just a suggestion. So, oh, but I want to watch so-and-so, and I want to watch so-and-so. You know, there are condensed games, <laughs> highlights that go up five minutes after the thing happens. There are so many ways to keep tabs on the Giants. And again, listening to the radio. Um, yeah. In any case, uh, we appreciate you listening to us. And, uh, and me ramble about politics. Doug, thanks, thanks for stepping up and, and taking a firm political stand. Always. Yeah. <laughs> what we're here uh, for. We, yep. Well, that's right. <laughs> the baseball bo- podcast about politics. Uh, we'll be back next week where the Giants will have hopefully uh, lost uh, fewer games than they win. That's how I'm saying it now. Okay. Because the other way sounds weird. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for listening. And you can find us on Twitter at Microncast is the is the podcast Twitter handle. I'm at every six day. I am at Moonwalk McFly. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye.